Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for being here. You are about to hear the interview of Lyle Lovett. Before we begin, if you would consider sharing this interview on social media, it would be a great help in promoting the live stream coming up of Lyle Lovett and Willis Allen Ramsey on April 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour by going on thepaulleslie.com and then click on Support the Show. Now let's get into the interview with Lyle Lovett. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to be doing this show. I have a very special guest for an exclusive interview. He's a great entertainer, singer, songwriter, humorist. He has style for miles. I consider him very cool, classy, and engaging. Performer, recording artist, actor, and photographer, Lyle Lovett. (laughs) Lyle, thank you so much. It's a real honor. Paul, thanks for that gracious introduction. Humorist, I'm uh, honored. I am honored, and uh, and including photographer. That's you know, I do love getting to take pictures, and and uh, it's a it's a real hobby of mine. So, so thanks thanks for making that part of the introduction. <laughs> well, you know, I, I should say, starting on a kind of a personal note, I can remember the first time I heard and 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 saw the 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 performance of Lyle Lovett. And it was uh, it was late at night. I, I can still recall this very vividly. And I even I even recorded it off of the television. You were performing on Late Night with David Letterman. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, on Letterman with Al Green. Oh yeah, you know, uh, well Letterman was so great to me. I got to do a show uh, many times, but uh, you know, getting to I only did it the one time with Al Green. And and getting to record with Al Green was just an amazing experience. Don was produced the track, Ed Cherney engineered, and it was part of the you know an MCA Records uh, uh, special recording of, of of people from the countryside of their their roster doing duets with people from the R and B side, uh, or it, it really people from the it extended beyond their roster. It was people from the from the from country music. Uh, do, doing you know doing duets with people from the art for the world of R&B and and uh, they paired me up with Al Green and asked us to record the great Willie Nelson song that that Al Green had recorded before and had great success with so I was just trying to hang on you know I the whole time during the recording session as we as we I stood right across you know, had our mic set up just opposite you know, we were looking at each other as we sang and I kept, I watched him and listened to him sing. And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, he's Al Green and I'm not. So <laughs> I, I just tried to stay out of his way and, and, uh, and be part of the track, but it was great fun. Yeah. And working with Don was, uh, is always a great experience. And, and, uh, Ed Cherney, you know, who we lost this last year, uh, is just was one of the greatest engineers in the business. You know, Billy Preston played, played keyboards on that. So it was, uh, you know, it really was an, just an amazing day. Well, on the note of collaboration, I want everybody who's watching or listening out there to be aware of April the 9th, April the 9th at 9 p.m. That's 8 Central, 6 o'clock for those of you on the West Coast. It's going to be Lyle Lovett 
and Willis Allen Ramsey in song and conversation. And, uh, you know, I, I've been billing it as conversation and song, uh, because, because, uh, you know, it, it really is a chance to get to visit, uh, uh, as you and I are doing right now, uh, in between playing songs and, and, uh, and sometimes the conversations go longer than the songs do, which I enjoy and, and most folks enjoy. Not everybody enjoys. So I, I try to be clear in, in our billing that, you know, there will be talking for sure. And, uh, and I'm excited to get to talk with Willis. I know you just talked with him, uh, for your last podcast, huh? Well, I can tell you, it's, it's surreal to have you both on in the same week. It's great. Now, can you recall the first time you laid your eyes on Willis Allen Ramsey and, and pressed the flesh? Uh, you know, I, I saw him. I, I saw Willis a few times before I ever met him. Uh, but but uh, I bought his album uh, in 1975, maybe 74, and and bought his album and quickly, you know, came to to love it and appreciate it and and started learning songs from it. I, at one point or another, I played well, I played almost every song on the, on that record, and and uh, learned how to play. And it was it was wonderful in uh, in teaching me tunings and teaching me. You know how to how to play that that record. You know Willis's record, Guy Clark's old number one, Michael Murphy's first uh, first several records. I learned songs from all those records, and and uh, it really was part of my learning how to how to finger pick and and uh, learning how to figure out songs. Um, that they all were, and and uh, and Willis's record just was such such an amazing amazing. I mean, those are such amazing songs. And and as I started to learn about Willis. I, uh, you know, I was just, you know, uh, I, I just couldn't believe that those that the, the the record came out in 1972 when he was 21 years old, which meant he had written those songs, you know, before that. He wrote those songs before he was 21, and uh, to to have uh, such a work be released by such a young artist, I thought was just a tremendous accomplishment. But but uh, his young age aside, his youth aside, it is just a classic uh, piece of piece of work that that uh, is timeless in in my view, and and holds up. Uh, you know, next year will be fifty years since that record came out, and it holds up all these years later, uh, just like it did on the first listen for me. How would you describe this man? You're going to be joined with on Friday, Willis Allen Ramsey. Well, uh, well, he's he's just one of the most thoughtful, uh, thoughtful and uh, deliberate artists that I've ever met. His process is unlike anybody's that I've ever ever known. And and uh, the thing that I always keep in mind when it comes to Willis. Uh, is is uh, you have to if you if you respect his end product, you have to respect his process. Uh, he you know pe- people the the uh, we we talked the, we had a tech rehearsal last week to get ready for the show and we talked. He said, well, I guess we're going to have to talk about. He said it'd be the elephant in the room if we didn't talk about uh, the second album. And I said, I think it would be. Yes. And, and, and he said, he said, well, you know, he said, can we just say that I'm working on it and, and, uh, and, and kind of let that be it. And I said, sure. I, I said, I think people would be, 
be glad to know that you are, you know, that you, that people know, already know that he has new songs, that he has songs he hasn't recorded, uh, because he's been playing them. And, and, uh, uh people, fans of Willis Allen Ramsey are just glad to know something's in the works and glad to know that, that, uh, they might get to hear something else from him. Um, I've always thought that first record was so great that it kind of doesn't matter whether we get a second record or not. Uh, just knowing that, that that record exists and knowing that Willis is, uh, you know, still solidly behind it and out playing and singing is, is really all we need. Uh, he's just an amazing artist and, and, uh, and, and, you know, he and I have gotten to be friends over the years, which is, you know, that's, that truly is a wonderful experience, you know, getting to know somebody that you admire greatly and and then getting to work with them but really just getting to know uh to have have a, a, a deeper knowledge of someone whose work you admire is a real privilege and that's the way i feel about willis and i have to say that the whole one album thing to me it only it only increases his mystique <laughs> well ex- you know exactly exactly i mean willis willis is deliberate and uh in everything he does and and uh thinks is is so thoughtful about every step in the process then and, and uh, i believe i truly believe willis can hear things and see things that that the rest of us can't and so if willis if willis tells me he wants to investigate some uh alternative way of doing something something outside the convention of normal recording uh, i i i say okay yeah let me, let's Tell tell me about it. Let me know how that goes, because there's always something, you know, there's always something to Willis's approach. I mean, he always gets something out of it uh, that a lot of folks might not be patient enough to explore. It occurs to me when we were talking at the beginning, we were talking a little bit about this duet that you did with Al Green. But you have been able to sing with some of the great singers in American music. I mean, we could go from Al Green, Ricky Lee Jones, to Cat Edmondson, K.D. Lang. Is there anybody that you would like to do a duet with? Oh, I almost forgot Randy Newman. <laughs> that you haven't yet. Oh gosh, I, you know there there are you know my my favorite my favorite relationships are the ones that happen naturally. You know the ones that that you know, that um, you know that aren't sort of thought up by uh, somebody s- somewhere you know in an office but but that are uh, that that happened because you you know you have an experience with somebody you you might do a, a, a you know you might both be guests on a special event kind of show or you might uh, you might you might just run into each other in a restaurant and and you know casually say we should do something sometime and and uh, and then and then it you know can come true uh, I, I did a tour with Ricky Lee Jones in 1990, and Ricky and I got to be friends, and so it was just natural to call to call Ricky and ask her to sing with me. Uh, Katie Lang and I have worked together. The first time we toured together was in 1988, and and uh, we've known each other that long. And so I, with her, you know, her passion for traditional country, I thought, well, I've I've got to ask her if she'll sing sing release me with me uh, a traditional country song with a a very traditional arrangement and she was 
you know, she was uh, just couldn't have been nicer about doing it. And so, so it, it, once again, you know, when you get to getting to know people you admire, uh, getting to getting to work with people that you you admire, you know, it's uh, for me, it feels like signing up and going to fantasy band camp, you know, <laughs> and uh, when, when somebody like Katie Lang uh, walks in the, in the studio uh, and, and working with Willis, you know, Willis has sung on my recordings as well. So it's, um, you know, that that is the the fun of the music business. You know, the music business is uh, multi-layered and multi-faceted, but, but uh, I think most people are in the music business because they love music. And I think anything you can do in pursuit of your craft or your art or whatever you want to call it, anything you can do to... Uh, you know, to pursue that love of music, to enhance your love of music, to to make it fun. Now, those are the things you should do, uh, because because if you can't if you can't if you're not having fun in the music business, if you're not having fun making up stuff and going around, you know, and making a living playing stuff you just made up for somebody, if you're not having fun doing that, then I've always felt like you're well, you're doing it wrong. Hmm. Well, it, it, one thing that occurs to me, the song that you co-wrote with Willis Allen Ramsey, if you go through and listen to the Lyle Lovett discography, like I have, and I know a lot of people out there have, the very first of the studio recordings that was a co-write was you and Willis Allen Ramsey. Is that correct? Is it? I think so. I, I have to think about it. You know, I, uh, I recorded this old porch that, that I wrote with Robert O'Keen. Oh, that's right. On the first one. First album, yeah. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> but, well, but then after that, though, it's true. I, I, and I haven't, I haven't co-written much uh, in my life. And, and uh, I, I make up most of my songs myself. Uh, and, and I've never gotten into the sort of the rhythm of, I've never learned how to co-write in that, in that Nashville sense where, where, you know, two great writers who may not, who may be acquainted but not really know each other, We'll make an appointment to to write a song together and write a hit song. You know, I've ne- I've never sort of gotten into that rhythm. Uh, I I tried to write a song with Guy Guy Clark and I made an appointment to get together and write a song back in 1985, I suppose it was. And I went to his office and we, you know, I had so many questions for Guy. I was just so excited to be in the room with Guy that I just talked to him. And finally, after about an hour, he said, "Well, you want to go get some lunch?" And I said, "That'd be great." And so we. We we scrapped the idea of trying to write a song. We went and had lunch and had had more conversation, and and uh, so so I, I've never gotten the, into the rhythm of co-writing. But when you get to know somebody, I Robert and I were such close friends from school. Uh, we had a natural communication anyway. Uh, Willis and I got to know each other, and and I always felt in watching Willis. The, the first you asked me earlier. Uh, about the first time I saw Willis, I, I, and I talked about buying his album. But the first time I saw Willis on stage was in 1976 at the Paramount Theater in Austin. Uh, I went with my high school buddy, Bruce Lyon, who was going to school in Austin. And, and uh, I came over from College Station, and, and we went to see Willis. Uh, Don Sanders, one of my favorite singer-songwriters from Houston, opened the show. And, and, uh, Don was, he had a hard time making the trip from Houston somehow, traffic or something. But, but the show held, it held, I remember the show was a little bit late getting started. And I remember seeing Don kind of hurriedly walk up the, 
the right aisle of the of the theater uh, toward make his way up toward the stage hurriedly. And then seconds later, he was on stage doing the opening set. Uh, Willis played just all by himself that night, as he did most of the time. And I was fascinated with him. Uh, He was, uh, you know, almost, uh, I I identified with him because I was kind of a, as much as I enjoyed performing, uh, I was always kind of a reluctant performer, Uh, especially uh, in in my early days. I would get really nervous before going on stage. And Willis looked, you know, I mean, he was very comfortable and sounded great and, and obviously knew what he was doing, but he looked a little bit shy. You know, he wasn't an outgoing kind of performer. You know, he didn't get up on stage and say, hey, Austin, how's it going? <laughs> Nothing like that. You know, he quietly walked up to the mic and he started playing. And I I thought, wow, I thought that's 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 really that's really something you can be good. I thought to myself and watching Willis, you can be good and people can want to listen to you and uh, without, you know, having to be sort of a character on stage. You can be how you want to be. That, that was what I took away from that first Willis Allen Ramsey performance, because it struck me that that man that I was watching on stage was being exactly how he wanted to be. And there was no artifice. There was no show business convention. There was no outside interference that influenced his performance. It was just Willis, pure Willis. And, and uh, I, I uh, you know, that stuck with me. I want to call to the attention of our audience an interview I did recently with Matt Rawlings. And <laughs> in that interview, he talked about getting the legendary Ramblin' Jack Elliott to sing your song, If I Had a Boat. And that's a song that I've heard many times performed in bars, which you know you've permeated the popular culture when a bar singer is performing and everyone's singing along and they're doing the hand motions, which I've seen. And Kate Rusby, I've seen Mr. Jimmy Buffett do it. What did you think about the Ramblin' Jack Elliott version on Matt Rawlings' Mosaic record? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. You know, I'm, I'm Matt Rawlings' biggest fan, and I met Matt when he was 18 years old, you know, <laughs> and, and um, play, he played just as great as he plays now. The, the uh, uh, I was thrilled that he I was uh, first of all I was thrilled that he included me in his in his album, but then that he recorded Jack, Ramblin' Jack doing my song was just I I I, I just loved it. I love Ramblin' Jack anyway. I I gosh back in in my early days, I'd get to open for Ramblin' Jack when he'd come through Texas. Uh, at, you know a- Anderson Fair Retail Restaurant, an original music club in Houston, was the first place I was ever able to play my own songs. And that's that's where my friend Don Sanders was uh, was uh, a fixture and part of the Anderson Fair family, uh, as they called it, the, uh, uh, and the, was was dubbed the mayor of Montrose. Uh, but people like Don Sanders and Eric Taylor and Nancy Griffith and Vince Bell were all regular Houston. Bill Staines uh, would come through from New England and play once a year or so. Um, Bill Cade would, would play, another Houstonian. Um, uh, Shake Russell would play there occasionally, and Shake wrote so many great songs. Uh, and and uh, Shake and Jack Saunders and Shake and Dana Cooper. Uh, it, it was an important uh, listening room. Held, you know, t- tops. I mean, just completely packed. Would ho- hold 75 people. Uh, but 
Uh, and, and for my shows, uh, Lucinda used to play there. I used to open for Lucinda on Thursday nights when I first started playing there. Um, but, and she lived in Houston in those days. The, the audience was discerning and the audience was, uh, it's still the, you know, one of the toughest rooms to play because you know everybody's listening to everything you do. And, and, uh, when, when Guy and Towns would come back through, through, uh, Houston, Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt, they, that's where they would play. When Ramblin' Jack would come through Texas, he would play a- Anderson Fair, and uh, and there, there were a couple of times that I got to open for him, and and uh, so I've been, you know, he what a legendary character he is, and and I've been a fan of his since those since my early days in the in the late seventies, early eighties, getting to, getting to first meet him. So I was just thrilled that he would that he would you know that Matt would suggest the song that and that Ramblin' Jack would agree to it, it was a thrill for me. You've been doing these live streams, and you've had some incredible, incredible singer-songwriters joining you. John Hyatt, you've got this one coming up with Willis Ellen Ramsey. Is there anybody that you would like to possibly get? And you're going to see me writing down while you answer. Uh, I'm going to. Who would you dream of possibly getting on the live stream? And yeah. I am listening. Well, so, you know, so far I've, I've just been, uh, I've been, I've been contacting people whose number, uh, n- numbers I, I had already, you know, people, I, people I knew. I, the, the very first, uh, I, I've worked so many shows over the years with John Hyatt. Uh, the, the first show, uh, first live stream show I did was on, it was in May of last year, May of 2020. And I, and, and it was a, a show that we streamed across all the socials and it was free to watch. And I and I I, I uh, you know felt close enough and comfortable enough with John to to call him and ask him if he would do it with me. I said we're not there's no money, but but would you be willing to do it? And 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 he said he he said sure. So we we did. I and we did. I did three shows across the socials like that uh, with my friend Brian Whitman from Sierra.LA and and uh, do, producing the producing the shows and streaming them for us. Uh, the first one with John Hyatt. Second one was with. with Robert O'Keen, and the third one was with Sean Colvin. And then in September of last year, we started, uh, we, we directed the audience to my website uh, and started charging a $10 ticket, uh, uh, really as a way to play gigs and, and, uh, and help, you know, make a living. I, it, not playing a live gig in over a year is the longest I've ever gone since I started playing out when I was 18 without playing a live gig. And it, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a, it's strange. And I, I, I think a lot of folks, uh, you know, in the audience don't realize how, how many musicians and singer songwriters, uh, depend on playing live, live gigs for their living. You know, not everybody is in that, in that situation, but I'm, you know, I'm still a working musician and, and touring is still, you know, the main way I make a living. And so, so these live streams, the, the fact that, that the audience has been supporting these live streams, has been tuning in, has been play, uh, paying 10 bucks, uh, to, to he- hear the shows and see the shows, you know, means the world to me because these folks are supporting us and enabling us to do what we love to do. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they really are, uh, su- supporting us. And so it's, uh, it's it's a you know it's a it's a wonderful feeling to uh, to realize that in the middle of the pandemic when we're otherwise isolated and I and my family have have been really strict about isolating I mean we haven't I haven't played any limited engagement gigs 
You know, I haven't even been into a grocery store in over a year. Uh, my wife, April, has been doing the grocery shopping, and, and her doing that has been our, um, our biggest exposure. I haven't, I haven't hugged my, my 91-year-old mother in a year, and, and uh, I just got my second shot of the Moderna vaccine, and so I'm, I'm excited that in a couple of weeks uh, I'll be able to give my mom a hug, and she's fully vaccinated as well. But, but it's, uh, you know, it's an unprecedented time. Uh, for everybody, uh, uh, and uh, do, doing these live streams has really just been a way of of, uh, of working for me. And and uh, I'm I, I I have you know it's it's very different from going out and playing live shows. Yet it's very similar, and it's given me a chance to work closely once again to work closely with people who I respect and admire, and and. Uh, uh, getting to spend time with them, getting ready for the show, and then doing the show has been, just been a great deal of fun. Well, I'll show everybody out there what I was writing down. My wish list for your live streams. Well, see, that's good. And you just never know. So <laughs> do you can you read it, Lyle? Well, I like both both those guys. Uh, yeah, well, you, you, Jimmy Buffett is, uh, you know, what what a, what a you know what an amazing career he's had, and what a what a great businessman, and what a great singer and songwriter he is. Uh, you know, he's just an all around smart guy, and and uh, and he recorded on one of his early albums, uh, one of Willis's songs right. as well. You know, uh, I I've always loved, but on Buffett's "Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time" album. He recorded uh, Willis Allen Ramsey's "Spider John," "Ballad of Spider John," and uh, you know did a great job with it. Um, uh, David Ball is an old friend of mine uh, from Uncle Walt's band. I used to get to open shows for Uncle Walt's band in the seventies, and and uh, uh, they're they're they've been dear to me ever since I first met them. And David is the, the you know the only member who's still living. Uh, we lost Walter Hyatt. In 1996, and we lost Champ Hood in 2001, and and uh, David, hearing David, just brings back all those great Uncle Walt's band songs, and uh, brings back those days to me. And you know, and always uh, watching David Ball uh, is it always, you know, it just makes me admire what a great songwriter and singer he is on his own as well. Well, I have I have two short questions in closing. This one comes from a listener, Johnny Paradise, who who just wrote in. He wants to know if Sinatra was a vocal influence on you. Oh gosh, uh, uh, in in that way of thinking, you know, don't really ever try to sing. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> To hear a great voice like Frank Sinatra's, uh, yeah, don't take your don't it teaches me, yeah, don't don't take I shouldn't take myself too seriously as a singer and just try to make it through a song. Uh, you know, I enjoy singing other people's songs, uh, but but my my main objective is to survive any song that I'm singing, uh, and to you know to be able to to be able to you know even if I'm not a great singer. Uh, I try to bring out in some quality, uh, some human quality, uh, the emotion in a song. Uh, because music is, you know, not an intellectual medium uh, as much as it is an emotional medium, I think. And, and uh, what I've always appreciated about music uh, 
over other art forms is, uh, you know, most art forms require you to stop your life, stop what you're doing, and to uh, appreciate a work of art. But music can be, what well, music doesn't require you to stop what you're doing. You can listen to music and carry right on with your life. And, and so music becomes a part of people's lives. And one of the nicest compliments that I ever hear about one of my songs is not somebody saying, you know, the first line in that second verse of such and such, it's not that at all. It's people, when people say to me, you know, I remember exactly what I was doing the first time I heard that song. Mm. And at that point, I think to myself, well, that's, you know, that's, that's their song. That's, that song reminds them of their own life. And more than that, you can't ask for. Well put. Well, my last question, uh, I know recording artists are always shy about these kind of things, and there's a lot of reasons why. So I'll, I'll ask it like this. If I was a, a, a gambling man and I was placing a wager, <laughs> would, <laughs> would you say it would be wise or unwise of me to put my money on a possible Lyle Lovett record sometime soon in the next year or two? <laughs> well, that is, that is a fine uh, setup to let me talk about my new my new record. Uh, ah. We we recorded re recorded and and recorded tracks in November of 2019, and with Chuck Ainley, who who uh, Chuck Ainley uh, produced and uh, with me, and and uh, Chuck Ainley engineered uh, my uh, the my third record called "And It's Large Band" that Tony Brown produced, Billy William uh, co Billy Williams co produced. Uh, that came out in 1989. We recorded that album in 1988 in Nashville. This was the first time I'd worked with Chuck. I mean, you know, world-famous, amazing recording engineer Chuck Ainley. That's the first time I've worked with Chuck since 1988. And and uh, it was just like, you know, it was just like picking up right where we left off. Uh, so we recorded, recorded, recorded tracks with the live band, in in November 2019, the plan was to get together in March and finish a few overdubs and mix last year. And of course, that didn't happen. And we are not so patiently waiting uh, for for a, a few more of us to get fully vaccinated before we get back together and finish the record. The record will be for Verve Records. It'll come out, it'll be released by Verve, a universal label, and uh, it'll. It'll come out either later this year or early next year, uh, depending on when we're able to start touring again. Okay, folks, you're hearing it here. Well, Lyle Lovett, thank you so much. I'm very honored to have been able to interview you. It's Paul, congratulations on your on your show. I know you've been at this a long time. Um, you're very thoughtful in your questions, and you're uh, you know more than prepared. How, let me ask you this: How many? I mean, this is it's a it's a podcast, really, isn't it? How how many? Uh, how, how often do you do these on video? The video is a new venture. I I was kind of pushed into it from the uh, the the all the you know the lockdowns and everything, and people kept saying, you know, you you might as well do these as video because I was always on the radio, and I had to get comfortable with it. I'm still not, but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how how are you doing with it? I'm not sure how I am either, but. But but it does seem to be the way of the world, doesn't it? And and um, how many of your 
listeners are also viewers, do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm not having a, it depends on the show. I'm, I'm having trouble. I, still, people seem to prefer me on audio. You know, they can work out at the gym and they plug their headphones in. They listen to me on Spotify or iHeartRadio or whoever. So I'm trying to, it, it's like video killed the radio star in reverse, maybe. I'm trying <laughs> to get the video going. Well, you just keep up your great work however you do it. And I appreciate your inviting me to be part of it. And uh, thank you so much for helping us get the word out about the show this Friday night with Willis Allen Ramsey, 9 o'clock Eastern. 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Mountain, right. 6 o'clock Pacific. Right. I don't know what that makes it in Hawaii. but <laughs> They can join us, too. And it's, uh, it's going to be, you can go on LyleLovett.com if you want to get the ticket for this stream. $10. 10 bucks. that's it. I hate getting rich off my friends, but I'm willing to do it. <laughs> well, Lyle Lovett, thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right. Until next time. Goodbye.